0: Bam Radio Network.
1: Can this approach be some uh, a helpful form of pandemic recovery?
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you are going to choose a new initiative for your school, you have to really think about what's the purpose behind this? Are we doing something already that's similar?
1: Welcome to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life changing educator. Here's your host. Initiative fatigue, scheduling pressures, overstuffed curriculum, stress. All of these problems have been increasingly common in education, particularly as schools have struggled to navigate the pandemic and its effects on learning over the past couple of years. Is it time for educators to embrace a more minimalist approach? I'm Anthony Raboro, the Editor-in-Chief of ASCD's Educational Leadership. I'm joined today by Tamara Musioski-Bornman and CY Arnold, widely experienced international educators, who are the authors of the recent book, The Minimalist Teachers. Welcome, Tammy and Christine. Thank you for making time to join us. So you mentioned in your book that the idea of minimalist teaching can bring up a lot of different mental images or concepts for different people. So is there a way you would define it briefly? Uh, what are you aiming at when you encourage educators to adopt this approach?
2: Um, yeah, I think sometimes people think of it as being, um, you know, as paired back as possible and uh, mm-hmm. stark rooms with, with not many items left in it. Um, but I think what we're really trying to aim people at is that the things that you have around you in your physical space or the things that you spend your time and energy on, uh, what brings value to you the most? What is the most purposeful in your work as educators?
1: Right. So it's not just a Marie Kondo type of thing. It's a, it's a variety of aspects of your work.
0: Exactly. Right. Yeah. So
1: can, can you give an example where most educators today, in your view, could benefit from greater minimalism?
0: Sure. I think one of the the things that we're all faced with, uh, and there's a number of them, but one of the things we're all faced with is, is what are we teaching? So sometimes we get a number of curriculum materials, and we are kind of expected to get to know things really quickly. And then something else is brought in. So we have another teacher guide, and we have all of these materials coming our way. And we get hyper focused on the while it's important to find out, you know, what we need to teach our students, but Sometimes we forget about the students, the actual students in front of us and thinking about their needs first. So sometimes what feels like um, the priorities to get to know my curriculum materials, I still have to keep in mind that the actual priorities, the needs of my students. So I have to um, be very selective and time conscious when I'm looking through my materials um, and thinking about strategies that are going to uh, have a high impact when I'm teaching so that I'm not spending too much time on, or we, I should say, not spending too much time on the things that might seem kind of frivolous, but we want to focus more on the high impact and the good quality, quality curriculum, um, or if it's teacher made, you know, really understanding the ways that we can um, enhance what we're teaching for our students in front of us.
1: Right. So in that connection, do you think this idea of minimalist teaching has particular resonance now, you know, giving all the challenges that are happening in schools right now? Can this approach be some uh, a helpful form of pandemic recovery?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We actually started working on the book pre-pandemic, but as we were working on it, it became more and more relevant um, to what we were seeing around us. You know, it's been a trend for quite a while now that that teachers get burnt out and stressed out and and leave the the job. Um, But I think the pandemic has really made that um, even more a reality for us. Tammy, I don't know if you wanted to add on to that.
0: So during the pandemic, teachers were really forced to move out of their their teaching spaces quickly and without any thought really of like what do I need to actually teach my students online if that's a thing we're gonna do so I think had we spent time prior to that it wouldn't have been such a hard shift for people to make when we were forced to teach from home um, or do the hybrid learning or whatever people were doing um, because we already would have had, Established what was the most important in in our teaching lives. I think
1: so. You f- you frequently use the words waste and clutter in your book, um, mainly to refer to things that are not central to an educator's purpose and that get in the way of the fi- efficiency and focus. So, how can an educator recognize elements of waste and clutter in their work? Are there are there some telltale signs they can use?
0: I think so. Um, sometimes I think about because we talk about different kinds of waste, right? Like the physical waste in our spaces, things that. Cause us to feel mentally cluttered, um, so that those might be the things that we have to learn for our positions and things like that.
2: There, there are so many different stakeholders um, that we have to answer to as teachers. We, We can feel pulled in many different directions, and I think people can spend a lot of time. Um, And as Tammy said, mental energy, um, figuring out exactly where we need to place our time and effort. Um, So I think, you know, that physical space can be wasted, but there's also the the emotional fatigue that comes along with it, uh, time wastage with things that may not uh, be particularly suited to our purpose in that moment. Um, So there is a lot of waste that can come in that we don't always have control over, but we're hoping that we can provide a few strategies for people to to help them um, minimize some of that waste. There's
1: an important tool that you outline in your book, which you call the 3P decision making cycle. Can you give a brief description of that and why it's so central to this process?
0: Yeah, we kept coming back to our in our conversations about what people really could do to help them decide what's most important to them. And we kept coming back to what is the purpose of what we're doing here? What is the point of it? And if we have lost sight of that, then we should question why are we doing something? So we kept asking, okay, what is the big purpose here? But then because that can be such a big idea, um, we knew that we had to ha- create this kind of funneling system so that people could then ask more focused questions so that it gets into like a focused priority for whatever it is you are making a decision about. So if you are going to choose a new initiative for your school, you have to really think about what's the purpose behind this? Are we doing something already that's similar? And then what are the pieces within this new thing that we might be able to build in effectively to what we're already doing so it doesn't feel like we're adding on something else? And that kind of pairs things down for people so that it's not like this entirely new brand new thing but you're spending some, you're, you're making that time investment so that you are um, really focusing on, okay, what's our purpose here? And what are the priorities within that so that we can pare down to the essentials to, to make things run effectively.
1: Yeah. It's a really interesting tool and and actually probably useful outside of a school and and in most areas of life too. So what advice do you have for educators who are drawn to this idea of minimalist teaching and want to move in this direction? So apart from reading your book, what should they be thinking about or doing as they plan you know, for next year or you know, what they're going to do this summer?
0: I think a good place to start is to just spend a little bit of time sorting out what you think that you need to prioritize. So if this year was a, a rough year, which I know it has been in a lot of places for a lot of teachers, mm-hmm. to use a tool like we have in the book or just a, a matrix or a, a list, like prioritize what you know you need to focus on. And start with that. So it doesn't have to be something huge. Might be, I'm going to just clean up this area of the classroom, or I'm going to try two new instructional strategies that are higher leverage thinking strategies rather than something that's a quick activity. I think those are some good places to start if you're in a classroom, because then you can plan in how that looks to you. I think, you know,
2: what our priority is at any given point in time is, is, you know, going to change. Um, So we just need to find our access point, what is going to be most pertinent to us at the moment, um, and that's a a good place to start. For example, last year, around this time, I was feeling very stressed and burnt out, whereas now my priority would be more around um, how can I save time and make sure I'm not spending too many hours past contract hours. So it really depends on where you are in the moment um, and then finding your priority for, for that.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Tammy and Christine, for sharing your ideas and time. And thanks to all our listeners who downloaded or streamed this segment. We hope you will join us again soon. For more information on The Minimalist Teacher by Tamara Musioski-Bornman and C.Y. Arnold, visit www.ASED.org books. If you like the ASCD Connect podcast, you'll enjoy listening to AASA Radio with Dan Dominich. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Thanks for listening. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.